you're raising a baby and at one point you just have to let it go off to college and that's what it felt like for me and it was just time to let it go on to the next steps and you can't always be there for it um but yeah like part of me like yes I was excited but also I lost my identity so it was definitely a mix of emotions Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Prototype Podcast. I'm your host, Mabel Yubong, and today I'm joined with Angelia Duval. She's a 20-year-old social futurepreneur, student and VC analyst who founded Youth Helping Youth, Canada's leading youth-led non-profit organisation at the age of 16. Over the span of four years, she and her team had assisted more than 9 million students in navigating higher education, career, and personal development opportunities. Angelia has led a team of over 200 individuals throughout North America, generating six figures in revenue. In addition to this, she has spoken at more than 300 conferences across Canada, USA, Europe, APAC, and Latin America. Angelia has already accomplished more than most her age, from being named a finalist for the International Reebok Human Rights Award, being the youngest person to be named on the BC Business 30 Under 30, Vancouver's Top 25 Under 25, to representing Canada's youth at the prestigious G20 Global Leadership Summit. Angelia's impressive achievements are testament to her vision and dedication to make positive impact in the world. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, today we are here on the second episode of the Prototype podcast and today we are joined with Angelie and well I think the best thing to do is just get straight into this um, so not to like scare you the first question but Angelie, um, I've been like looking at your story about how you started your own start um, company when you're 16 and that's one thing that intrigued me about you and your journey and I just would really like everyone to know what this company you made, um, your experience starting this at such a young age, being a teenager, being a woman as well, um, is tough and I just want to know if you could just briefly explain what YHY what is and um, what is what's happening now with it and like yeah just give a brief instruction on it of it. Yeah no of course um, for one thank you so much for having me on the podcast I'm very excited to be here. Um, in terms of YHY I remember when I was 16 I went to an inner city school and there were so many opportunities and things that I wanted to do and I just couldn't do them because there wasn't as much opportunity where I grew up. My high school had like a 20% dropout rate. Um, it was like ranked one of the worst in BC. So um, that kind of gives a picture of just growing up in high school and not having access to a lot, but wanting to do a lot. And I looked around me and I saw a lot of my friends wanted to do cool exchanges or wanted to volunteer or wanted to get jobs. And they just didn't have the experience that they needed to get there. A lot of them were first generation Canadians. So they didn't even know what the difference between a bachelor's or a graduate degree was, um, let alone how to go about the process of applying to university. And so for me, I just started um, a social media account initially. And I just posted like, oh, this is like, 
these type of resources. Here's like a resume review workshop. Um, here's some volunteer opportunities. Here's how you can be like an applicant that's competitive, especially when you're comparing to students that grew up going to private schools, <clears throat> sorry, um, and having all the resources given to them. Um, and over time that gained a lot of following to the point where there was thousands of students on it and finding value in it. And then I had people reaching out from Seattle or San Francisco or other parts of Canada saying, I want this hair, like this needs to be here. Um, and so we kind of grew it to have seven chapters across North America. And from there, we started doing our own events because we realized there's other young people that want to run nonprofits for problems that they want to solve in the world. But there's no real rule brick on like, how do you how do you go about starting a nonprofit? How do you go about starting a business mm. as a young person? So I started to develop those resources, create my own events and opportunities through Y2Y as well. Um, had an amazing team that worked um, on the mission as well and was super passionate themselves about it. And that's kind of what grew it to have about 200 volunteer members. Everyone was volunteered um, as well as reaching 9 million students, running hundreds of events, um, both online during the pandemic and offline as well. Um, and yeah, now I, I left it back in October, but it's always exciting to see what's going on. Uh, somebody in Saskatchewan took it over and she's leading it to the next heights. And so it's always exciting to see what's going on there. Mm, that's really cool. Thank you for explaining briefly about this. And I, I think it's really interesting the way you speak about it, because I think people don't realize the scale of YHY. And I really want to emphasize like you were like only 16. Like I, if me being 16, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I definitely wasn't. I was like, I'm, I'm going to decide to non, I'm going to start to do a nonprofit. Definitely. That's not what I was thinking. So <laughs> if you could like expand, like where was it in your brain? Who was, and wh why was it like you have to do this and why was it why did you feel that at your age at 16 this was the right time for you to just do it and looking back now all these years that you spent on your first company your first non-profit company how do you feel like are you nostalgic reminiscent do you miss it do you want to go back do you want to create another company that's a great question um I guess I started a nonprofit simply because I, I've always felt the need to help my community. Like just growing up as a kid, my mom and I always volunteered, whether it was for soup kitchens or picking up garbage um, or donating to different shelters. And so for me, it was ingrained from a very young age that I need to give back um, and it's a core part of who I am. Um, and so when I had an opportunity to do that at a larger scale, I guess it just sort of happened and the pieces fell into place. Mm -hmm. um, and while I love the nonprofit community and I always see myself doing more in the social impact space, I think at this time I'm more into the tech scene or the finance scene now, but I do see myself starting another startup. I think I'm just taking a break right now because startups are a lot. You need a break, definitely. And you have, it's really interesting your story because you actually did like kind of start a very small, you started your entrepreneurial roots quite, I think before that you had this lip balm, um, neutral balm thing. Um, I don't know, um, it's not really talked about much, but could you like expand on how that, how that went? 
Yeah, no, for sure. I only did it for a few months, but I guess I just wanted to see like, is startups what I want to do? Um, and before that, it's like, is business what I want to do for school? I was getting a lot of pushback from my family, extended and internal, saying that you're not supposed to go into business. Females don't go into business. Um, you're supposed to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer, just like that basic um, stereotype of what you're allowed to be. And for me, I just never felt fulfilled in those careers or I felt like that it didn't align with who I was. So I'm like, okay, let me start a business. I can learn the marketing, the accounting, the operations, like I'll learn everything. And that way it can tell me if I actually am passionate about it. And then I'm like, okay, what is a problem we have in this world? And it's just having access to sustainable um, beauty products like, like lip balm. And so just with three ingredients, um, my team and I were able to create a lip balm that was completely eco-friendly and kind of worked towards Vancouver's goal of becoming the greatest city in the world by 2030. Um, I don't know how much progress we're making now, but I know we're still trying. Um, and from there, yeah, we were able to sell a few hundred lip balms within those few months. Um, we got into stores and little small boutique okay. shops across like the lower mainland. So it was really popping off and we weren't expecting that. Um, I think ultimately the team and I decided like, this is really cool. We really love what we're doing, but being high school students, knowing that I was about to start a nonprofit, it just didn't make sense to continue that at that time. Um, but it, I guess it gave me the evidence that I could run a business and that I knew how to scale and I knew how to get into stores. And mm. I honestly, that I loved it and I was ready to pursue it academically as well. Yeah. I think, I think it's so cool that you did start it when you were in high school and you did kind of test it out. I think the whole point of this podcast is just to encourage people to be like, hey, you should just go ahead and start. And that's what you did. And like coming off of that, I think it's interesting because obviously you were 16 when you started your nonprofit, right? And I'm just wondering, how did you navigate this, these adult spaces? Like, I feel like I'd be terrified. I would be like sweating, like even to speak to someone, speak to like maybe like a potential investor or someone who I need to work with or even dealing with a 200 person, te 200 person team, which you did. Like, how did you feel about that? And how did you navigate that? That's a great question. I know um, one of the people that started very early on she would multiple times throughout the week be like, Angela, can we sit down and realize that there's like 200 people here right now or take a moment to realize X, Y, Z? Because I feel like for me, I always like saw it as a number. It was so hard to actually see it. Um, but I think the way that I wasn't scared or intimidated by those opportunities and like, don't get me wrong, I was faced a lot of imposter syndrome, but I think it's just knowing that it's bigger than myself. Like this isn't, this isn't about me. This is about young people that need opportunity that aren't given resources. And the fact that that's who I'm standing up for, that's what the investors want to invest in. It's not investing in me, it's investing in the next generation. It's investing in the next community. And so I think remembering that I'm like, I don't have the right to be scared right now because these young people need support. And if I'm able to do that in a small way, I'm not going to let fear get in the way of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And like, what sort of like, things like what did you do to help you feel more comfortable in these spaces when you were like hosting events when you were like meeting with people speaking to people um, managing your time what sort of skills what sort of things did you have in, in you that you leveraged to feel comfortable in these adult spaces 
That's a great question. Honestly, it's just having a really good team. Um, I am so grateful for them because I knew that I could trust that they would handle anything that like came up or any like, like thing that you don't want to happen. The projector's not working. Oh no, there's no tables and we're running an event where we need tables. Um, and just like knowing there's a great team behind me, um, making it happen and finding ways and solutions to problems that we face. I think, yeah, it's just leveraging a really great team that is always there when you need them to be. Um, the other one is just so basic, but just like breathing in and out. Um, I love to do that. I think that honestly really helps just taking a moment to breathe and ground yourself and recognize like, oh, I'm on the ground right now noticing like what's around you and just like taking a moment to be present in that moment because I think it's very easy to be thinking into the future be thinking somewhere else and have your mind everywhere but especially in those moments I try to just ground myself and remember like this is where I am right now this is what needs focus right now yeah Um, yeah and does that line in your reflection I know that you spend a lot of time I don't know if you still do but you reflect and you think about your day, you think about what has happened. Do you think that breathing and breathing out have and reflecting all kind of combined to make you feel, feel right now, I feel more brave to be in these spaces, still being very young and even before as well? No, 100%. I think, I think reflection is so important because it's a way to understand how you can like perform better in your mind. Like I think you need to have, be in a very strong mind space to do anything, whether it's to take a test or it's to go on a run or it's to start a company. Like all of that needs a very strong mindset. You need to be able to go into an exam room and not get anxious and scared as you're writing. If you are running, you need to make sure you can keep pushing yourself even when you're really tired and your legs are giving up on you. And at a startup, it's constantly all of those skills that come together. So for me, when it comes to reflection, it's like, oh, I went on a run. Why did I stop? Was it because what I was telling myself internally wasn't what was beneficial for me to keep going that extra kilometer or so? Um, Yeah, I think I think mindset plays such a huge role in your ability to persevere and have grit. Um, and learn new skills and to understand that. So for me, I'm always reflecting. I'm always like, where did I go wrong? Where could I have done better? What are things that I did well? And why were they done well? And how do I keep making sure I'm working on doing them better um, or to that same degree if I can? So no reflection, I think it's so important because it helps you get a better mindset. And that mindset is ultimately what brings you into those spaces and allows you to perform well in whatever aspect of life that is. No, that's that's interesting and I'm glad that you you've said like use that example of running because like I I run like I did a half marathon like a few years back and I know how much grit and determination so when you're using these words like it's so easy to relate to that because it does take so much out of you but if you love it you're passionate about it and you're willing and you have willingness to reach a goal it's always worth it and like obviously your testament because you spend those three three and a half four years nearly four years on your non-profit organization and now you're kind of reaping the rewards because you have a big network you're I think right now you're a VC analyst as well like you have all these great things so yeah again testament to you so I'm like I'm like in awe <laughs> thank you no I'm in awe half marathons are so difficult I I could only do 5k and I'm like I'm done <laughs> this is, this is you'll get there <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
Team uh, mindset. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> mindset, yeah. Um, so now we've done like the first half of the show. Um, we're going to move on to a quick game. Um, I still haven't named this game yet, but it's just a game. <laughs> but um, basically, I'm going to show some images. I'm going to describe them um, for the listeners as well. And you just have to guess which picture matches to which caption and it'd be great if you tell the story behind it just to give people more context of it yeah so i'm just gonna get it up right now Ooh, yeah so this is the first one can you guess which picture matches uh with which one this is going to be a test of how much you go on LinkedIn because I'm like a LinkedIn goblin. <laughs> no, I love LinkedIn. Um, so this, the words match with the picture on the left. Um, that's back when yeah, I did correct. the Singapore um, Tech Festival. Yeah. Or FinTech um, Festival. Yeah, it yeah, was. What, yeah. What happened there then? I think it was just like the people that I met were just so welcoming um, and and open and and I think they just were so ambitious like they wanted to change the world they wanted to create impact in a positive way and it's hard to meet people like that in finance (laughs) just to be like completely honest you don't meet people in finance that are like oh how do I make the world a better place how do I care about climate um and I think it was interesting to see those two intersect in such a big space. There was a lot of big speakers. Melinda Gates was there. Um, a lot of the founders of different crypto exchanges and companies were there as well. And it was just, I was just A in awe of the people in the room and the expertise that they had, but also just to feel, I think it was just like the energy that I felt in the room. And, and it was an opportunity to, I guess, have conversations I can't normally have and to have people understand you. Mm-hmm. I think live as much as I love Canada, I think it's a little bit more slow moving at times when it comes to innovation. Um, and there are not a lot of opportunities for young people to step into the space. It's very hard for young people to get funding. A lot of the times they are looking for external investment from the UK or from Canada or from other facets and places in the world. So for me to be in Singapore and to be in a space where they're like, yes, we're ready to invest in young people. Yes, we're ready for the next thing to come up. It was just inspiring. And I always look back at that moment. And I remember the energy I felt in the room when I feel at times like no change is happening in the world and people don't care about supporting the next generation. I think that personally for me was a really great example of the complete opposite. Yeah, I think it's really nice the way you described it because I feel like it, it really did affect you the way you're speaking about it. You speak so eloquently about it. And yeah, if you, did you get to actually meet Melinda Gates at all? Or was it just like a, from afar, like, hi? I saw her from very afar, but I felt like I, I, was in, I was in her presence. I was in the same room as her in the same time zone. And I think for me, that was enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so round two, if you can guess this one Ooh. yes okay so they're both from YHY oh gosh this is LinkedIn yeah oh this is tricky one I'm so happy (laughs) (laughs) 
Ooh, I'm gonna say, oh, I'm so scared. It could be both. I, I don't know, maybe I did a collage. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say the left one. Yeah, being your right, uh, it was, I kind of tricked you here because the other uh, picture is actually a video and I was like, I need to be smart about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, no, that makes sense. Um, I remember the one at the bottom though. Um, we used to do like bonding sessions, especially during COVID. It was a way for like a lot of the young people to connect, especially when everyone felt very isolated. Um, and so you're free to come on them. Maybe we play some games or we just have conversation and you can stay for as long as you want. Um, and that one I think lasted almost six hours. Um, where it's just the three of us <laughs> and it like never felt tiring. We never felt like, oh, I need to go or like, this is boring or I feel like I'm obligated to be here. It's like completely optional. Um, everyone just loved having conversations and they liked the community and they wanted to connect with people from the community. And so this is just a, it's just a testament to that. And so it's one thing that I really take away is like, how do you keep building communities where people feel welcome and appreciated to have six hour conversations? Um, and I think like, yeah, it was, it got ended by the end of it because someone had to like go eat dinner and their parents were calling them. But otherwise I'm sure it would have went on much, much longer. Um, and then, yeah, you're completely right. So it's a video. Um, it was when I talked about starting Y2Y, but also walking away from it and saying that my journey with it is over. I'm super excited about the impact that we made. Like it, again, to me, it feels like numbers and I've seen that impact, but I don't think I fully can visualize the scale. Like just yesterday when I was in San Francisco, I met with someone and they're like, oh my God, you're so familiar. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what to do with that. And they're like, you started white twy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I did. And so it's crazy where you meet people and where they recognize you. Um, but, and I still like, again, I can't visualize that, but no, it was, I think it was a moment where I needed to also tell other young people that start nonprofits that it's okay to walk away. It's okay for your journey to only be an X number of years and for you to go on to other things. And so, yeah, it was important that I shared that with the world, but I also thanked the amazing people that made that possible. Cause it was definitely not just me. It was the team, it was the investors, it was the funders. Um, and all the schools and the spaces and the venues that made that possible. Um, no, oh, that's such a wholesome, wholesome video. And yeah, yeah. it was good. To, I loved, I loved white white. Yeah, it was quite cute. I'm like, I'm happy to like share it in the in the link of the podcast. Um, and I think I I I like your story as well because you had to step away, as you were saying, leave Y Y H Y and. I think it takes a lot to be like, hey, I've made something, I'm gonna hand it over to someone else and you, you don't really have any control over it. So I just would like you to briefly explain how you felt the day after you complete, like you were done with youth helping you, like that is it. What was it? Did you feel like empty? You were like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do with my life? Like where, how, <laughs> you could explain like how you felt. Oh my God. Definitely part of it was I felt like I lost my identity. Um, like why, why was just how I defined myself. It was like part of who I was and I don't know where it wasn't there anymore. And it's like, who am I as a person? Like without why, why? And I, I guess I just didn't know because I made it such a huge part of my life. I spent hours on it every day. So no, it definitely felt like I lost a part of myself. Um, 
but I also almost felt excited for the next chapter of Y2Y. Like I knew, I knew it was going to go to new heights that I couldn't even see possible. And so I was just, I was also just excited and forward looking for where it goes. Cause it's, it's like you're raising a baby and at one point you just have to let it go off to college. And that's what it felt like for me. <laughs> and it was just time to let it go on to the next steps and you can't always be there for it. Um, but yeah, like part of me, like, yes, I was excited, but also I lost my identity. So it was definitely a mix of emotions. Yeah, I, I really love that analogy, sending off the child to college. It's, really, it's a really good one. I'm probably going to use it. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> and um, on that, I think with Youth Health and Youth, you were able to speak across the world, basically, and you've spoken I think over maybe over five, 300 or 500 times so I'm not, not sure about the exact number but just a lot of times like probably yes. more <laughs> and I'm just wondering like I think I heard that you have stage fright but despite that you persevere through it so I'm just wondering like how you do do that like is it like a special magic you have like that you just like I can do anything I can speak in front of like tens of thousands of people <laughs> Um, definitely not a magic power. I think it's just, I think it's just, I think it's making sure that you have something worth saying. And it's again, coming from a place of like genuinely wanting to help people. I think for me, anytime I go into a speaking engagement, A, the first thing I think about is how many people are in a room. Let's say there's 500. Let's say I'm speaking for an hour. That's 500 hours that I'm taking in that room because each person is putting one hour of their time. So you need to make sure that what you're saying has value and has weight, which doesn't help with the stage fright part at all. If anything, it makes it worse. But for me, I just think about, okay, is this room full of young people? Usually I speak to high school students. Um, and so it's thinking about what do I wish I knew when I was in their shoes? What do I wish I had heard and been told when I was in that space? Um, that I found was completely pivotal. Cause it's always that one conversation you have um, or that one thing you learn or that one line that you hear that can make a lot of pivotal change um, for the next years to come. So for me, it's like, how do I get all of that and throw that into one hour? So at least every person in that room walks away with one of those things. Um, and I think if I can do that, that's a job well done for me. And so for me, like the way I deal with stage fright is Again, a lot of breathing, but also to just know that I have something worth saying um, that I think will help people um, because it helped me. And if I can do that and know that, like know it's coming from a genuine place of like wanting to help and, and wanting to support, then I think it's a lot easier to get on a stage with a lot of people and speak. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's really great advice. And I really hope people who, people who are listening and watching, they take that and they go and run with it and know that sometimes you're really afraid obviously obviously you're afraid of of the stage for your speaking but if you can convert it into a logical stream of thought you are you kind of feel more comfortable and more powerful knowing that you're going to make an impact via either speaking to tons of people and resonate with them and then they can go ahead and also do something great and also make things that resonate with them so I think it's an, in a sense it's an endless feedback loop no 100% I completely agree with that yeah oh we love feedback <laughs> <laughs> exactly. and um 
on speaking, I know that you apply to speak at TED uh, multiple times. I'm just wondering, I read your post, brother. I'm just wondering, like, how you felt um, applying again and again and again and how you dealt with it each time. Because I think it's a testament to you. Like, you still persevered, basically. Yeah, no, I think what I noticed with a lot of like, and also it's like TEDx, like I just didn't get into a lot of TEDx talks as well. Um, and I think it's just like, sometimes I think actually what I would say is behind every one success that you see online, there's probably a hundred rejections. And I think that's just exactly what the TEDx thing for me personally was. Yes, I had a lot of opportunities to speak on very big stages and with very cool people. Um, but I'm also going to get rejected from a hundred other stages and that's okay. That's a part of life. You don't want to get every single thing the first time you apply for it, because I don't think it would be rewarding and you wouldn't enjoy it and you wouldn't value it in the same way. So for me, it's, I think it's always just an example of keeping myself humble almost. So I like, like to brag about my failures a lot. Um, cause it just, A, it like normalizes failure, but it also tells people that you're human and that you do fail. Cause I think sometimes people meet me and they're like, oh my God, you're just only succeeded. You've only had wins, but I'm like, no, I've had a lot more losses than wins. And so it's important to just normalize failure, but also to celebrate it in a way. And so I always try to do that publicly when I can. And I think at that time I was getting a lot of very big speaking engagements. So I'm like, let me just tell the world that I've been rejected for, um, a lot of stages as well um yeah that's I guess that's just where it comes from keeps you humble <laughs> yeah and I'm glad you did I think yeah I, again it's like society social media they always tell you that oh everyone's succeeding but they don't tell you when everyone is struggling and I think especially when you're young you kind of get consumed with no I don't understand why why aren't I like the best person in the world why why don't I have millions like <laughs> and not until you realize that people have failed thousands maybe millions of times to have that one success and that one success had has rippled so I'm really glad that you did share that and I, I'm glad that your story is being shared with everyone else and to show that you are young you're you've been successful you had your own um, non-profit organization you've made something of yourself and you're going to do so, so, so much more but with that there's so much failure and highlighting this failure is so so vital and you always have to start from somewhere to, in, in terms of be successful so yeah I'm very, I'm very glad that you just share it and to everyone as well of course well thank you for the question you've definitely done the digging like you were not kidding when you said I I research <laughs> yeah well, that's like my thing it's my stick um <laughs> and I think the final question um it's more like I want to in a sense give you the stage and I want to say like how would you tell someone who is in their teens or late teens or just starting in their early 20s um to, how would you tell them how to stay focused on their goal at the same time be aware that their their scope of what's available out there is limited and how can they overcome that limitation that's a great question. Ah, I think you have to have a reason to keep going. Like, I think there's definitely going to be times where it gets difficult and it gets hard. And it's what you say in those moments that 
ultimately keeps you on track of what you want to succeed. So it's very important. I, I know a lot of people like to call it the why or your North Star. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And you need to really believe in that why because it will get you through the tough times when you're struggling um, and when everything's falling apart um, to remember that why and why you have to keep going on why what you're doing is so important. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. It's know your why. Why are you wanting to start an organization? Why do you want to get good grades in school? Why do you want to have, why do you want to become a doctor, go to grad school? So just knowing the answer to those questions will push you through to achieve all of those accolades that you set out to, or all of those goals you have for yourself. Um, and the second part of that question that I'm totally blanking on um can I ask <laughs> again what was the second part like how would you um like if I was like a teenager and I didn't know what was out there in terms of like VCs or startups or anything in my realm how would you overcome that limitation because I think what happened is when you're young you have a tendency to have only see things through a bubble so how would you um, advise people to expand from that bubble it's a great question Google is the best resource ever. I think almost anyone has access to Google. And honestly, that's the only resource I really knew growing up. And it's just, it's just learning how to Google well. Like I know back when I was in school, we were, oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> um, but we would, we would, oh my God, it's happening. Um, but we would literally have research class where we learned how to Google and learn what words and keywords like got specific results. And honestly, that's such a good skill to have because that will give you any resource you want. If you want to learn about a new topic and you can't afford education, you can do that through Google. If you want to get a job, there are job postings on Google. There are people that are hiring that might not be saying that. It's just a matter of finding out how to get those answers. Um, and that happens through a lot of trial and error. So if you're trying to find out more opportunities, more ways to get involved, there are probably resources or companies or people that can help you. And they're all a click away from just Googling the right person or finding someone on LinkedIn um, or just connecting or finding out a program or a resource hub or something. And yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like, just learn how to Google, learn how to find resources um, and like, yeah, like get scrappy. You'll find you'll find it eventually and you'll get there eventually. You can find me on Instagram, Angeli underscore Dollywall, or on LinkedIn or wherever else you see my face. I'm more than happy to connect. Um, what is next for me? It's just doing a lot of learning and investing in some very cool student startup companies. Um, currently. So yeah, I'm just giving back to the ecosystem by being in VC, getting an opportunity to invest in young people, starting really cool companies. Um, in the future, maybe another startup, I guess we'll see. But for now, just smelling the roses and enjoying the sunshine. <laughs>